Welcome to the IVF Journey with Dr. Michael Chapman, the podcast for couples who struggle with infertility and want to fulfill their dreams of becoming parents. In this podcast, you'll learn actionable strategies to deal with infertility from Dr. Michael Chapman, or Prof as he's affectionately known. Prof is the co-founder of IVF Australia and is a leading Australian infertility specialist who has helped over 3,000 couples realise their dreams of becoming parents. To access previous episodes packed with ideas, solutions and tips that actually work, head over to Dr Chapman's IVF podcast on iTunes. You can also ask questions by contacting Dr. Chapman's rooms on 1800 111 483 or by emailing him michael.chapman at ivf.com.au. That first cry of a baby born after the long journey of IVF remains one of the most beautiful experiences in the world. As an obstetrician and an IVF specialist, I've had the privilege of experiencing this over many thousands of times in my long career, but I still remain moved by each baby's first cry. It signifies the end of a long journey and the beginning of a new life. This is Professor Michael Chapman, co-founder of IVF Australia and host of the IVF Journey podcast. Thanks for tuning in. To access all the previous episodes, head over to my website, www.theivfjourney.com and select IVF Journey Podcast from the navigation menu. You'll also be able to find the various services that we provide at IVF Australia. Okay, today we're going to talk about eggs, the eggs that are in the ovary, the eggs that obviously are essential to produce a pregnancy. Eggs are laid down in the ovary from about eight weeks of pregnancy. So by eight to 12 weeks of pregnancy, in the first trimester of pregnancy, if the child is a female child, then all the eggs that she will ever get are laid down in the ovary. And at that stage of the piece, they're tiny. They're called primordial follicles. At that point, they lack the capability to produce a pregnancy because they have to go through multiple stages of development before they reach that point where they can be fertilised. At that point, there is something in the order of four to five million eggs laid down. The process of loss of eggs begins almost immediately. By 20 weeks, eggs are starting to be lost, 20 weeks inside the mother's womb. And so by the time the baby is born, we're down to around about one to two million eggs. Through childhood, those eggs remain dormant, remaining in their primordial state because they're not exposed to any hormones, hormones from the pituitary gland, which are essential to the development of the eggs. At puberty, in fact, preceding the first period, some eggs begin to move forward from the primordial stage to what we call antral follicles and those antral follicles contain eggs which still are not fertilizable but they are heading towards a stage where the hormones from the pituitary gland will pick them up and move them on 
to being a mature egg. During that childhood time and those first mature follicles, the ovary has continued to lose eggs. And so by the time puberty turns up, we're down to a couple of hundred thousand eggs for the rest of the life of the woman. And every month from that point on, somewhere between 100 and 300 eggs a month undergo what's called apoptosis. In other words, they degenerate. Once the menstrual cycle gets started and periods start, the eggs that are in the antral follicle stage at the point of that period coming, those antral follicles are stimulated by a rise in the hormone from the pituitary gland called FSH. And a number of these follicles under that influence of FSH head towards becoming mature. Something in the order of 20 or 30 antral follicles in a young woman will move towards becoming mature. But by mechanisms that we really don't understand, because we're different from most other creatures, only one of those eggs is going to be successful in getting to the stage of full maturity, while the others will fall away by the wayside, probably under the influence of other hormones. It's a bit like one horse winning a race and all the other ones dropping dead on the way to the finishing line. And that one good horse is released around about the middle of a menstrual cycle and will hopefully then result in a pregnancy. So what is a mature egg? A mature egg is one that has gone through the developmental processes that lead to it having half the chromosome number of all the other cells in the body. All the cells in our body have 46 chromosomes and our egg, when it's mature, only has half that number, 23. And it has to be that way because every sperm has 23 chromosomes so that when the two come together, we're back with the original 46 and that will produce a pregnancy. Obviously, aberrations in the egg in terms of those 23 chromosomes will result in genetically abnormal embryos. And in fact, probably 95% of embryos that fail are because the egg itself was defective in the processes that led up to getting only 23 chromosomes. That mature egg has particular structural features. It is in a shell called the zona pellucida, like a chicken egg is in a shell. That zona pellucida is not hard like a chicken egg, but it is a barrier that the sperm have to swim through. The sperm has to swim through because only one will get through. As soon as one gets through, the door closes and no more can swim through. And that eggshell does play a role, particularly in older women, possibly of eggs that malfunction. We've shown in our own research in, our, in IVF Australia is that as women get older, that shell, the zona pellucida, becomes thicker. We use a special sort of microscope which uses polarised light so we can visualise that. Normally we can't see that on a normal light microscopy. The other sign of a mature egg, uh, which again we can see with polarised light but not with normal light, is that the chromosomes just before fertilisation occurs 
line up in a structure that looks like a spindle. And those chromosomes lining up a normal spindle tells us that that's a good normal egg. And our own research has shown that eggs with normal spindles are more likely to produce a pregnancy. You can also have abnormal spindles or absent spindles, and the prognosis for them, for those eggs, is poor. We rarely see a pregnancy when there's an abnormal spindle. That spindle also has just recently been shown to have a relationship with the genetic makeup of the embryo down the track. So some research that we're just about to publish is, is showing that when we look at blastocysts and look where the, the eggs, where they came from, those with normal spindle structure are more likely to be normally chromosomed and therefore more likely to produce a pregnancy. There's exciting new research that's coming out of our laboratory. So we're learning more and more about eggs and how they function. At the moment we can't do much about changing that function, but research continues. Age has an impact on those various structures. I've already mentioned that the zona pellucida, the eggshell, thickens with age. What we also know from our work on the spindles is that abnormal spindles are much more common the older you get. And that would explain why chromosomal abnormalities are more common in women who get older when they get pregnant. So that basis of the chances of pregnancy relate to the quality of the eggs and, and our knowledge on that is, as I say, is increasing. What is it that causes those abnormalities in the eggs to get more significant as a woman gets older? Well, we know that eggs require energy. There's an energy component to moving the chromosomes around to get them in the right place at the right time and to energise the enzymic processes that result in the division of the chromosomes. And that energy comes from the batteries of the egg. These are called the mitochondria. And there's certainly very good evidence now that reduced mitochondria is associated with increasing age. So the older you are, the less mitochondria, therefore the less energy, therefore the more likely that we'll get aberrations in the oocyte that weren't there in younger women. So people have tried to put mitochondria back into these eggs, but really the results so far have been disappointing. Other options are to find drugs that might stimulate mitochondrial activity. And certainly some work, again, from our department, which is about to be published, show that a particular vitamin looks like, and certainly in mice, to increase mitochondrial activity, which then has resulted in older mice having the same fertility as younger mice. Exciting stuff, but mice are not men or women. But that's where, the, where we're going to be headed, I think, into the future, as all, more and more older women are pursuing pregnancies. I noticed some recent data published out of Australia showing that the fertility rate among women between the ages of 40 and 45, the number of babies born has increased by something like 30 to 40% in the last 25 years, as more and more women are waiting until that time to get pregnant. It's not that we're improving fertility rates in that group, it's just that more and more women are trying to have babies at that time. But many, many will be disappointed 
because sadly, as yet, we haven't been able to improve egg quality in older women. And don't forget that you can access all the previous episodes by going to our website www.theivfjourney.com and select IVF Journey Podcast from the navigation menu. Thank you for listening to the IVF Journey with Dr. Michael Chapman, the podcast which helps couples negotiate their way through the IVF Journey all the way to parenthood. You can also ask questions by contacting Dr. Chapman's rooms on 1800 111 483 or by emailing him michael.chapman at ivf.com.au.